We're glad to have <coughs> Brother Dave, <coughs> excuse me, Brother Dave Forrest and his wife, Sister Mabel, with us today. And Brother Dave is pastor at Crown Point uh, Primitive Baptist Church, uh, Mount Zion. Mount Zion at Crown Point, Indiana. So we're glad to have them with us today. Brother Dave, come here. It's um, good to be here today, that's for sure. It's been a while, as I was talking with uh, Brother Jimmy, that I've been here at uh, Covenant Church. So, because I asked him, I says, uh, when did you get the pews? I said, the last time I were here, it was all chairs. So that, that shows you how long it's been. But I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord uh, laid it upon my heart. to. Uh, I'd called him a while ago and said, uh, we're going to come visit Mabel's brother Larry for a little bit. And I said, uh, while we're down, I want to come over and be with you and meet with you on Sunday. And he said, well, that's okay. You can do that. Then he warned me. He says, you're ready. He says, you're going to have to preach twice on Sunday. <laughs> so, but today, this, this morning, actually, what I'd like to talk about a little bit is uh, commitment. You know, being, being committed in everything. And I'm going to, when we see sometimes what a word means, is the same what it is in real life to actually be committed and to to God committed to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we look at it and actually when we come forth and we ask for a home in the church and we wanted to be baptized what we're really saying is I want to be a part of Jesus but what it's really saying is, you know what? I want to be committed to him and what it is. And that's that's not an easy thing to do, you understand, to be committed. It's, it's hard to be committed to Jesus Christ and to be committed to God. And we're gonna we're gonna look at some people that and I'm mainly gonna be in the Old Testament, but I wanna look and see people that I guess I'd say if you would look up a, in the, the dictionary and you'd see the definition for the word committed, their, their picture could probably be right beside that to say, these are our men that are committed to Jesus Christ. And I, I'd like to go to the, the book of Daniel to really start out today. And if we look at it at the beginning of Daniel, we can see that um, the king had went and besieged Jerusalem or besieged Israel, Jerusalem, and and taken and he brought the people back into uh, Babylon with him. Now we're going to see that even though Israel had kind of been given over. And it kind of turned their back on the Lord. We're, we're going to see that, you know, there were, there were people that were children of God, shall we say. So, and if we look at it, even in this country in which we live, the United States, 
it's sad to say that we look at it that our country, the, I'm going to say the majority of our country has turned their back upon God. But do we have good people, good Christian people still here in the United States? Yes, we sure do. We sure do, just as there were good Jewish people back then. And we're going we're gonna to look at this, and we're going to see that um, there were certain people here, um, young children, that were, um, that were there, but they were still servants of God. And in, in the very beginning, we can see that now I'm going to use not their Jewish. I'm going to use Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> just because it's it's a little bit easier to say that. And Daniel, you know, these were four Hebrew children, and I, I tried to do some studying on that because they called them children. And so, if you look that, it, it, from what I had read, it said they they could be anywhere from like five to eight years old. Now, if I'm wrong, brother Jimmy, you correct me. <laughs> But so they were brought there and they were there. Some people even say they could have been as high as teenagers when they were they were brought there. But they had enough enough knowledge. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking they were a little bit older because they had enough knowledge that when they were brought there. And if we looked in verse 6 in chapter 1, it's not among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. That's why I did those three names, but I'll stick with Daniel. <laughs> so, but if we look in, in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And isn't it amazing, as we look in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, we see that this happens, that, that God brought Daniel into favor. He had found favor with God. So we can see that Daniel had committed himself to following the Lord. And what he was going to ask was really kind of, it was a big thing to ask. Because everybody else was partaking of the king's meat and of the wine. Now, we know, and Daniel knew, that the meat that was being given to them was offered unto idols. So he didn't want to be a partaker of that at all. But the prince of the eunuchs sat there and kind of said, you know what, why should I do this? And now the king's going to find you not looking well favored. You know, and so he was kind of kind of really worried a little bit about that because he says, okay, if I do what you want me to do, I'm the one who's going to get in trouble with the king. And he didn't he didn't want to do that. But we could say that Daniel was a um, 
pretty good negotiator, wasn't he? So in verse 10, we can see at the very end, it says that, then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. So this guy was in pretty good favor. So, but look at in verse 11, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So Daniel basically took a step out of faith. He stepped out by faith and went to the king and said, I don't want to do this. He says, I don't want to defile my body. Because at some point in time, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had made a commitment to God. Now, we have to understand that nobody would see it. Nobody would see them if they were eating this meat. You understand? There would be nobody there to say, why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. Because the Bible tells us that if they did that, they could what? Make their brothers offend because then everybody, some of these other children that were with them would do this. So Daniel, he was like, okay, I've made this commitment. I don't want to defile myself. So he negotiates says, prove us. Prove us. Let us go and see. Feed us with pulse and water. And then after so long, come back, look at us and see how we are. So he consented to them, verse 14. He consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their confidence appeared fairer and fatter in flesh. Then all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. Then Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. And we can see that, you know, when we make a commitment to God, God is really watching over us and taking care of us, isn't he? So we see that in verse 17, he says that, you know, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So we can see that because they were committed and doing those things that were pleasing in God's sight, God was continuing to bless them. Bless them. And when we look at it in today, there are so many things that can draw us away from our commitment to God. We go out into the world, and there's, there's signs along the side of the road and different things that can draw us away from our commitment and serving God. Now, it's been a while since I've been down this way. And I was coming down on 75, 
And on the one on the left side of the road, there's this big, big cross there. And then we traveled just a little bit farther down, and here was this big store there. I'm not going to get into what it was, but it wasn't good. You know what I mean? And so it, it's amazing. But see, that's what our world, our world is full of what? Good and evil. And there's choices we have to make. And if we're going to follow good or we're going to follow evil, just like Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. What did Joshua do? I'm not going to go to him. What did Joshua do? Joshua made a commitment to God for him and his family that we're going to serve thee. Now, they, he, he said, you know, you can go into the, we're going to go in and possess this land, you know, and you can serve the gods that are in the land. Or you can serve God, God Almighty. And we know God gave Israel a commandment. You know, even as this United States is disobedient, Israel was disobedient. God told them, when you go in to possess the land, he says, you need to, you need to get rid of everybody in that land. Because if you don't, what's going to happen? It's going to be a snare, snare to you. But it's the same thing today. There's, there's little gods that are in the world today, aren't there? And we need to get them out of our lives. Because if we don't get them out of our lives, it's, they're gonna, it's gonna be a snare unto us all the days of our lives. So we're back there, we're back here with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they found favor with the king, didn't they? Look at verse 19. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So we can see they were ten times better than the magicians and astrologers that were in all of his realm. Now this was going to become very important later on, but we can see that this was going to also be a snare unto them because they were so knowledgeable, they were rising up in his kingdom the king's kingdom. And we know that one of the, the worst things that gets us is what? Jealousy. Jealousy. And all these, these men that were of the province of Babylon and of that country, they were starting to see somebody that was Jewish that was rising up. And they didn't like that. And it was going to come to come back to get them. So... We can see that he's, it's amazing, as we can see all of these things and how they, they um, grow in stature and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We can see that 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king of Babylon, made a, a, a statue. And people were supposed to bow down and worship this statue. I think it's in, in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So we can see that I guess that the king was really kind of full of himself, shall we say. In verse 2, Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the consulars, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the promise to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and tongues, that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So the king made a decree that anytime you hear this music, you've got to fall down and you've got to worship this image. Now these, we're going to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew and fully understand that you are only supposed to worship the Lord your God, and him only shalt thou serve. Even in this day in which we live, we know and understand that we should only give praise and glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in verse 7, it says, you know, at that time, when all the people heard all this music and everything going on, uh, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Remember, we said that, that jealousy is a terrible thing, isn't it? And these people were trying to find a way to get rid of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So we're going to see in verse 12, here, here's this jealousy. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, 
nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They made a commitment to serve the Lord God and him only shall. And they're going to abide by that commitment. They're, they're, they're not going to bow down and worship him. And they knew the consequences. You know, there's consequences their reaction, isn't there? There's consequences. They knew what the consequences of their actions were going to be. That didn't bother them at all. And we're going to see how they replied unto the king. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, you know, he was mad. I'm the king. I've got this thing. These people are going to do what I tell them to do. Or else. Or else. And his rage, and uh, the rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Now we can see evidently since the beginning of Daniel and to hear these boys, as they call the beginning, have now grown up, haven't they? Now they're referred to as men. They're men. Brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you, you excuse me, out of, out of my hands. You know, it, it's amazing if we look at verse 14 when it says the word gods, it's a little g. But we get into verse 15 and he says, and who is that God? It's a big g. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now we can see that evidently King Nebuchadnezzar had no knowledge of the Lord God Almighty at all. Or else he wouldn't have been making a statement such as that, that what is, what, what is that God? Who is that God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. So basically he's saying, you know, we have no need to be careful to answer you. They knew what their answer was going to be. And they knew when they answered that, they knew what was going to happen unto them. If it be so, if it be so, if it, if it, if it, if it is the will of God, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Now we, we gotta we understand that they were really white right, right in what they said when they said he will deliver us out of thine hand. Either either he was gonna deliver them alive or he was gonna deliver them to be with him in paradise. Either way, 
it was going to be, well, I guess if they died, it wouldn't be a good thing. But they knew, they knew their God. They knew their God. But look, at see what it says in verse 18. But if not, if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, little g, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. See, we have faith in our God. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. But even if not, it doesn't make any difference. If so or if not, we're not going to fall down and worship the image. Now, would we have, in this day and age, would we have enough commitment that if somebody said, if you, if you will not fall down and deny Jesus Christ, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. I know and have faith that God would take care of us, wouldn't he? He would take care of us. Just as he took care of them, he would take care of us in this day and age. Look at verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, this is the king that had put them into a position of authority. Now he's probably questioning. He's mad. He's so mad, he's just probably just shaking. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Now these were, what does he command? The most mighty men, the biggest, the strongest men in his army. Bind them. This is very important. Bind them hand and foot, shall we say. And I want you to, you're going to throw them in there. These men were bound. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats. All their, their clothes that they had on. And their other garments and were cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandments were urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This fire was so hot. So hot. So I, I, I don't know exactly how the furnace was built. It was in the side of a hill or anything. But it was, it was built down, and the fluid get up, went up. And so it was, you know, convection is going to tell you it, it's going to go up, it's going to come up, it's going to be hot up on the top. It was so hot that we noticed one thing. It slew the men that threw them in. But it didn't kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of this was being done for what? The glory of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? No. It was to be for the glory of God, not for the glory of those, those three men. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished, astonied, and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. 
He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? How wonderful is that? When we look at this. So, remember, we see two times that it made mention the fact that they were bound. Now, you know, the king is like, okay, didn't we throw three men in there? So he's down, he's down now, and he's looking in there, and he's like, wait a minute, there's four. And the fourth one is like the Son of God. Now, there's some versions, that's why I like King James. It says the Son of God. There's some versions that it was like a Son of God. Here it says it's like the Son of God. And I believe that's who is in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. That's what this Bible tells us, right? King James, it said it was the Son of God. And it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that was in the midst of the fire. But notice one thing. It says that the four men were now loose, walking in the fire. You know, when we make a commitment to God, God watches over us. God protects us. These men were bound with rope. So we fully understand that the rope evidently either came loose or was burned off of them. But there was no harm on them at all. Nothing. We serve such an awesome God that only God could do something such as this. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. So now we see that, you know, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand. Who is that God? Now he was able to realize that the fourth one in there was the Son of God, and now he's sitting there and he's saying, Ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And they came out of there walking. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Now this was just amazing unto them. Not fully understand, with, with man these things are impossible, but with God, what, is it, what does that say? All things are possible. All things are possible with God. And we can see that all things has come to pass right here. Right here. Now, have you ever been near a fire, a bonfire, or something like that? And you always, you know, I've, I've thrown wood into the fire, and I've singed the hair off of the back of my hand. Or when you've been out there for a while, the smell of the fire is on you. You know, I know we've had some bonfires at our house, and 
I'll get in the, I'll get ready to go in the house and my wife will sit there and say, Oh no, you're not coming in. You're not coming in the house. Get, you know, get rid of them, you know, smelly clothes and everything. That's how the smell of fire can be. This was not on them. I mean, who is the only one that could do this? God. They were committed to serving God. Whether they lived or they died, they were not going to worship the image and they were going to accept the consequences that was given unto them by the will of God. And God had brought them out of the midst of that fire. Nothing had come upon them. It was just amazing. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Isn't it amazing that the king is is really changed his mind all of a sudden? It's just like, yeah, what god can deliver you? And now he's talking about, you know, blessed be the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at it, it says that they, they yielded their bodies, gave their bodies up, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own God. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted or made to prosper Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So now all of these people are so jealous, they wanted to get rid of them, and they didn't get rid of them, did they? And now, not only did they didn't get rid of them, but they've been now promoted to be up higher in, in, in the king's government or whatever it is back then. So we can see that when you make a commitment to serve God, God's going to watch over you, and he's going to protect you. And with us, what, is, what does Jesus say? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And that's what it is. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And we've got to be that way to do those things that are all always pleasing in his sight. It's, when we look at these things, we can see to... take care of these things it's uh you know god is god is so good unto us you know when we we look at it and we can see that daniel is the same way he was you know they 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 knew they were jealous of Daniel weren't they but they also took notice that if they were going to find anything against Daniel it was going to be in respect to him serving his God, his God. 
And they, they sat there and they, they wanted to get rid of Daniel. So they, these people that were jealous of Daniel went to the king and said, King, what we want you to do is we want you to set up a decree that if any man asks any petition of anybody but you, that you're going to throw him into the lion's den. Okay, so Daniel knew, he knew what he was going to do, but he knew the consequence of his action, that he was going to be thrown in to the lion's den, wasn't he? So it's it's amazing as we as we see these things that so they they did it, didn't they? They made the the decree I think that's in, in verse six and In verse 8, he says, Now, O king, establish a decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius, Darius signed the writing and the decree. So now, Daniel, he didn't shy away from this, did he? Not at all. He made a commitment. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a commitment to serve God. And they knew, Daniel knew what were going to be the consequences of his action. Look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew, he knew, he knew, it didn't bother him. He knew that the writing was signed. He went into his house, and his windows being opened, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and make suppl- making supplication before his God. So they knew exactly. They knew how they were going to find fault against him. They were watching him. Because they knew that sooner or later that he was going to pray to God. So when he knew that the king had signed it, he didn't go in. I don't know if they had curtains back then or not. I, 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 don't, I don't know, Ruth. But I'm, I'm sure that he didn't, he didn't pull curtains or anything. He didn't, he didn't want to hide the fact of what he was doing. So the windows were there. These men knew I don't know if they followed him or whatever. It doesn't go into that much detail here. But evidently they went to where he was at in his house and saw that he was praying to God. And they were sitting there. And you know, these men were saying, we got him now. Oh, do we have Daniel now? Yeah, he's, he's going to pay for it now. And then they came near in verse 12. They came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree? Aren't they just trying to be subtle, but it didn't really become them. 
Didn't you sign a decree that every man that asks a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not, which I, I cannot change. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petitions three times a day. You know, it's just, you know, there then isn't isn't Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, isn't he the one that you've promoted to way up high, one of the presidents of the country and everything? And so they accused him before the king. They said, we, we've seen him. We've seen him do this. But look at in verse 14, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He tried. He tried to deliver him. He didn't want to do this. You know, Daniel had found such favor with the king that the king didn't realize how subtle these other men were to get him to sign this decree. And he knew right then and there that I made a mistake. I made a mistake. So finally, in verse 15, these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, You know, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute with the king established may be changed. They knew, they knew that the king was going to try to get him off, that he was going to try to deliver him. And they said, You know, you can't do it. Here it is. They knew what they were doing. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So there it was. He was in there. They put the stone in front. They put the seals on there. Nobody could do anything anything to change this but they didn't know the God that the king said that he served that he served then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him he didn't want anybody around him. He didn't want playing no music, try to comfort and everything. Because he was really, I believe he was vexed in his soul of what he had to do. He had to do it. But again, this was not done for the glory of Daniel or anybody else. It was to show the glory of God. To the glory of God. Look at verse 19. King was so anxious. He was anxious. He wanted to find out the result. I think, you know, Brother Jimmy, I think in his, in his mind, in his heart, he knew the res what the result was, but he wanted to, to see it with his eyes. Sometimes we don't, we don't walk by faith. We walk by sight sometimes. 
And the king had to, the king had to had to see this for himself. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable, a pitiful voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? And I'm sure that the king was very apprehensive. He couldn't wait to hear what the answer he couldn't wait to hear Daniel's voice because if he heard Daniel's voice he know that God had delivered Daniel from the lion then said Daniel unto the king O king live forever only a child of God who's committed to God could say something like that he came out of there he didn't blame the king did he he says O king live forever live forever the Bible says in the New Testament, we want to pray for those in authority over us. So here he was, he was saying, you know, king live forever. Verse 22. My God. I like Daniel. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him Innocency was found in me, and all before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. I haven't done anything really wrong. You know, it was only because of these men that were so jealous that they did this. And Daniel's saying, you know what, I, I've done nothing against you, king, to ask it, to pray to God. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to pray to God. Even today, we're supposed to be praying to God. The Bible tells the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Availeth much. We should be praying. The Bible tells praying continually. Now, that's not saying we need to pray 24 hours a day. It's saying what? Praying continually. Every single day, we should be praying to God. Praying to God. God found nothing, nothing of wrong in him. And he said, I've done no wrong to you, king. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no matter of hurt was found upon him, because he what? Believed in his God. Believed in his God. We have to understand that even back then, believing in God, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an, an outward expression. It wasn't that Daniel said... I believe in God. It was because God, which does not look on the outward appearance, looked on the inside of Daniel and fully understood that his, with his mind, body, and soul, he believed in God and was serving God. And because of that, God was here and was blessing him. No matter of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And we need to believe in our God, too, today. Amen. That God can deliver us from the lion's den. It might not be a physical lion's den, but he says, you know, Brother Leroy was saying, you know, there is no temptation that is taken upon you that God does not give away for you to get out of that. I know I'm paraphrasing. I'm not, I'm not you know, memorizing or saying it. Um, the scripture, but 
you know, he delivers us from the lion's den all the time. You know, and what we don't really fully understand is how much God works behind the scenes on our behalf. We don't, we don't see a lot of that stuff. But that doesn't mean that he's not there working in the background. He's there all the time. That's what's so, what's so amazing. 24. See, you know, if, if we look in, into the Old Testament, well, we're in the Old Testament. <laughs> but when we, when we look in there and we see things, it was like um, King David when he sat there and somebody came to him and told him about the, that Solomon had, had, had been killed and everything. And he said that, that he slew him. And David is kind of like, this guy's coming to thinking that because he said that he killed Solomon, that he was going to be rewarded. And he said, well, how is it that you did not, weren't afraid to raise your hand against the Lord's anointed? So you thought you were bringing me good news and that you did this. And you know what? I'm going to reward you for doing that. And he had the man killed, you know. So these people, they thought, these men that were of Babylon thought they were doing something that was going to get rid of Daniel and was going to help them and that some of them might get promoted up into the kingdom. So, but in verse 24, the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that will, that, 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 can't read, can I? that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, in, in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I like the way that this king, all of a sudden, well, he was pretty much kind of believed in that, but I don't know if he was a true believer. He under, let's, say, let's say this, he understood it. But we look in verse 27. He delivereth and he rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. And that's, that's that same God that was back then. It's that same God today that delivers and rescuers and work as signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. And his kingdom shall have no end. His kingdom shall have no end. This is the God whom we serve today. This is the God who we make a commitment to. And we're committed to serving him, regardless of what the consequences are going to be. And I believe that from the bottom of my heart, that we don't care what the consequences are going to be. We're, we're going to stay committed unto him until the bitter end, aren't we? What an awesome God we really do serve. Now, I'm not going to turn there, but 
Another one I was, I was going to look at today was uh, Noah. Noah. You know, Noah found grace. You know, in the eyes of God. You know, we can, we can see these things. Now, if we look at how it is that he went to build an ark. Now, that wouldn't, that wouldn't seem to be so bad, but there's a... I listen to some contemporary Christian music. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make confession. But there's a song, and, and the guy's saying, I, I will build an ark in the desert. Now, I don't know if Noah actually lived in the desert, but he was building an ark nowhere near any water. He was committed to God, wasn't he? He was, we look at that and we see that, I, I guess in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, if we look at that, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive. My spirit will not always rule in the hearts of men. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. And we look at that, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, man's heart, was only evil continually. And it had to be something for God to say in verse 6, and repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace, unmerited favor. Did Noah deserve that grace? No. No, but he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he told him, you know what? You're going to build an ark. And can you imagine, I don't know exactly how long it was that he was building this ark. It was quite a while. You know, he didn't have any modern conveniences to build. He had to use the tools and the... And the the know-how that he had back then, which was, I know they talk about the, the wonders of the world and everything. You know, we have to look at it. Of course, a lot of, the, a lot of the world doesn't believe in God, that what a wonder this was that what Noah did to build this ark. And people don't consider it a wonder of the world that this ark was built and it was amazing when, you know, can you imagine people? And I know it doesn't really go into it, and I know we're, we're going to use a little bit of license in, in, in saying it, but can you imagine people coming up to him and watching him as he was building this ark and sitting there? Are you crazy? What are you building this boat out here for? And he says, well, you know, God's told me, you know, it's going to rain. And that, that's another thing. It had never rained up to that point in time. A mist came up out of the earth and watered the earth. So now they thought he was a little bit crazy. Now they thought he's really crazy when they said it was going to rain. What, 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 what's, what's rain, you know? So, you know, he went through a lot of ridicule. And I think almost that takes more commitment because it's the physical abuse we can kind of go away but I'm sure that mentally they were trying to get into Noah's head to say. 
And that was worse because then they were getting into his head. Because then sometimes when, it, when, when Satan gets into our head, he makes us doubt. Like when he, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, if thou be the Son of God. Three times he said, if thou be the Son of God. How many times does he, if, thou, if, if you are a child of God, why are you going through this? Why is this happening to you? Why has that happened to you? So Noah's probably doubting in his mind. You know, God's telling me to build this. Um, you're talking about walking out by faith and not by sight. He was walking by faith, not by sight. Because he, he was probably, he was not seeing the end. But it was bad because he believed in God. He was committed to God. And because he believed in God and was committed to God, he passed judgment on all the earth. Because the whole earth was flooded. I know there's so many people who aren't, who don't believe in God that want to make you believe that there is no way that that could happen. But again, with man, these things seem impossible. With God, all things are possible. And that he caused this to happen. And it happened. I, I believe that. Why? You might say, why? Because it's right here. I believe this from Genesis to Revelation. Is the inspired word of God. And I believe everything in there. You know, we getting off a little bit. We can't, we can't pick and choose what we want to believe in here. You can't, I mean... I guess you could. You could if you wanted to. You could rip pages out of here and say, I don't like this page. I don't like that page. But then, it ain't the Word of God. So we believe all of it. And it was, it was, it was, he did all of this. He condemned the world with being so committed unto God. God told him exactly how it's going to be. Verse 12 in chapter 6, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So he says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And he says, here's the fashion, how it's going to be. You're going to do all of this. And in verse 7, he says, Behold, I, even I, excuse me, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And then he, you know, he's going to go on and say, bring all of these things into the ark. And he, he believed the word of the Lord. He believed the word of the Lord. I just wonder what it would be, Mary, to just if God would talk to you, what, what what would you kind of think? 
you know, it's, it's kind of like Samuel. Remember when Samuel, when he was just a boy, and he was laying down, and God come and talk to him. And he went and talked to... Eli. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Eli. And said, okay, here I am. What do you want? Said, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And it happened, what, three, four times? And finally, he's, Eli... Oh, that's probably the Lord. Next time he calls, he says, Thy servant heareth thee, Lord. And today, if, if, if God would come and, and, and talk to us, would we really believe that it was him talking to us? So, you, you know, we can see that Noah had such a commitment that he knew it was God talking to him because he believed him. And he did exactly what God wanted him to do. What a, what a commitment. We're talking, I don't, know, I don't know how many years, 40, 50 years building the ark? I, I don't know, Brother Jimmy, you might know. 200. 200 years. 200 years building the ark. Can you imagine? That's a, that's a commitment, isn't it? 200 years building a boat on dry land. what he went through for those 200 years. And then what we realize is how much faith did God give unto him. We know it says that what? You only have to have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. It's not how much faith we have, but who do you have faith in? Who do you have faith in? Who did Noah have faith in? Noah had faith in God. So he continued and persevered through all of this. Now, today, if you get to be close to 100 years old, your, your natural strength and different things are going away. But for these 200 years that he was building, I, I, I can almost guarantee you that his, that his natural strength did not go away from him and his sons and everybody. And it wasn't just his son. It was Noah's wife and his, his son's wives were also probably working together. I guess, you know, they talk about teamwork. That's what it took back then. It took teamwork for them to build it. So we can see when we have a commitment to God, what we can accomplish. What we can accomplish. We can see, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel. We can see Noah. You know, we can see Joseph. The things that we can we can accomplish when we're when we're committed you know and what we have to realize is like with with joseph there were things that he could have made life a whole lot easier for him just giving in giving in to oh i think it was potiphar getting into his wife 120 years not too much. Oh, 120 well 120 years is still a lot <laughs> it's still a lot of years a lot of years isn't it i'm gonna have to remember that now i gotta write that down but you know when we think like shadrach meshach and abednego they could have given in they could have bowed down in worship daniel could have sat there and not went in there for 30 days what's 30 days right 30 days he could he could have not prayed to god for 30 days who would know but they knew god would know just like Joseph. Joseph could have gave in. 
But he didn't because he knew that God knew. God was watching over him. God would know what he did. And that's what we have to understand. When we realize sometimes, well, nobody can see what I'm doing. If you're a child of God, God is seeing exactly what you're doing. If we've made a commitment to God, we got to stick with that commitment, don't we? Through thick and thin, good and bad, knowing that he's always there for us. Like I said earlier, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, I believe it says, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And that's exactly what all of these other people, they didn't fear what man was going to do unto them. They had a reverential fear of our Lord and God Almighty. I hope that what I've said is going to help us with our lives to just continue going on all the time, never losing faith, never losing sight of God and, and what he can do for us. and what, But most of all, what can we do for him? That's what we need to do. I hope that this will help you in your lives um, in the, the years to come, weeks to come, days to come. I thank you for your kind attention this morning.